Hey folks, I uh, just want to kind of do a, a, uh, a podcast episode real quick here. Uh, don't know necessarily how long it's going to be, but the, the focus of this one is going to be primarily around the larger conversation that's going on at least the past few weeks about IBM and Watson in particular and their layoffs. And then maybe you touch a little bit about uh, GE spinning off its uh, its healthcare part of the healthcare that it kept at least. Uh, so just talk about first what uh, what IBM has done and then we'll get into kind of my take. IBM has laid off a significant part of their uh, of their AI company or their AI piece around Watson and, and Watson Healthcare specifically and led to an article uh, that was actually pretty interesting uh, out there. You can find it. It's part of the IEEE.org uh, website uh, with their their media piece called Spectrum. Uh, should be pretty easy to find. At least I found it. So, and what what the piece that I, I think I want to call out here is that you, what you're having now is the is the uh, engineers that got laid off uh, and at IBM kind of admitted the obvious part to everybody on the outside is that uh, IBM didn't have a lot of stake to all the sizzle of marketing and PR that they had out there, which is is no surprise to anybody that's paid attention all the way back to, uh, if you think about uh, the Deep Blue and Kasparov chess matches, you know, IBM has always been way more interested in the... uh, commercialization or advertising end of it and really let's kind of just be honest uh the feeling that i get uh and i guess this is more of an of opinion side is that the entire reason that watson exists is it's a bet but but it's a, a multi-dimensional bet the first dimension is hey it may actually end up being worth something ibm has got a lot of money to spend and so they can kind of throw money at this and just see if they can catch lightning in a bottle and ride the wave uh, ahead of something and look super smart on the other side of it <clears throat> what it is when they are doing a lot of this what you know most people would call forward-looking futuristic type uh issues is uh let's um let's help this kind of uh, whiz-bang stuff that we're doing, make all of our other uh, offerings and services that we have. And, and let's be honest, that's basically all IBM has left is is a services piece um, from, from that standpoint. There, nobody's going to have a business model successfully selling server hardware anymore. And when they spun off uh, their end-user devices to Lenovo, they kind of um, gave a a kiss goodbye to that end of the market. So what does IBM have left? They have server hardware and then they have services. So it makes them look like a bunch of smart people if they're spending, you know, all of this advertising and look at this AI stuff that we're doing. And, you know, the question that I have in my mind is how bad is it? I mean, is there really nothing there that IBM can't continue to support a, a big um, division within their company. And so I think the, the real question that everybody ought to start asking is, you know, what's the clock on IBM? Do they, do they have a five-year plan? I, you know, I really don't know. 
I think there's probably are a lot of smart people left at IBM trying to do something, but I do think that you're going to see IBM scale way back. You know, for people older than 40, which I'm in that in that boat, um, but just recently got on, IBM is is a big brand. Um, and if you really think about it, and and let's kind of talk about it again, one step back, IBM is probably the last big brand from the very pioneers of computing to still be around. I mean, so who who are we talking about when we say that? So you you've got IBM, you've got HP, who, you know. They're not what they used to be. Again, they're mostly services. You can still buy their consumer, consumer end uh, devices, but you know that's basically being commoditized. Uh, from from that standpoint, I mean, you know, I think everybody can say that uh, you know laptops even now have. A lifespan, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that um, people outside of a business are going to buy a laptop in the uh, in the foreseeable future. You know, I don't know what the next step of that is. Probably tablets, <clears throat> but uh, you know. So anyway, the end user device market is not not where you want to be. Again, talked about servers in the in the way the cloud has commoditized uh, servers and data centers just period so again who wants to be in that market you know with a race to the bottom and so you've got again HP IBM uh, you know you had Compaq which there's an excellent uh, Silicon Cowboys documentary out there to see on Netflix which I recommend you watch uh, there's Halt and Catch Fire which is a good um, show that AMC put out around the beginnings of of computing, home uh, end-user computing, uh, and so you know a lot of these companies are gone, and IBM is pretty much the one that's left. Uh, well, IBM and HP, and, and then so you you see the unwinding of those big companies, and it's really kind of a a generational point where uh, you you know when my children are my age, I don't necessarily know that those companies will exist in the minds, uh, you know, that people have today. So basically that's a long way around of saying that this piece had engineers talking about that it's not IBM that failed AI. It's AI that's failing IBM. And so, you know, a little bit of this, in, in my opinion, is, is, you know, the craftsman blaming his tools. Uh, for not being able to execute, and I, and I think really what it is is IBM is just trying to do too much too soon. And generally, that's been my comment about AI in general: is that there is no proven solution out there that AI needs to solve. You know, and, it, and it's just way, way out there in the forefront. And it, a comment that I made the other day, and I think is relevant here too: healthcare is 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 right now bipolar you've got these two facets and if you look at it it's really hilarious and let's just talk about it you know in in the space of epic you know you've got epic that sits on a mumps uh, database which was developed by mass gen in 1969 1970s you know that's both a database and an operating system it's a 20 26 
command language and uh and and that's all it then that's what it sits on that's the foundation for the dominant EHR in the market space who is trying to do all of these futuristic face forward facing things and i'm not saying that that mumps is not capable of supporting uh, you know, innovative products, but it's just hilarious to have, you know, healthcare try to have feet in both, um, both foundations. I mean, how many, there is no, let's, let's, let's look at it this way. There is no organization in the United States that thinks of it as any kind of futuristic, um, 20 year forward solution that doesn't also have an HL7 V2, uh, possibility within their solution. So you've got a foot in the 1980s and a foot, you know, what you want to say in, in the 2020s. So that's 40 years span of technology. And that's really something that's hard to maintain. And so, you know, AI is not necessarily going to fail, but healthcare is not, does not have the platform to support AI. You know, what's the point of having artificial intelligence if you don't have sufficient real-time interoperability communication platforms to support what they're telling you? I mean, that you know, that's the hilarious thing to me is you're going to have artificial intelligence be able to either predict or, or you know, in the future or tell you in real time something you couldn't know, and then and then put it in a database table that will go on a report that will print out on a printer or go to a fax machine for the next day. I mean, if, if, if people don't see the, the, the kind of conflict right there, then, then I think that that's kind of indicative of the entire healthcare um, ecosystem. And it's something that we really have to acknowledge and, and understand what we're going to do. And the, the, Again, the challenges that we don't talk about when we talk about fee-for-value is that now we are we're more connected. And so what you're going to end up with is an environment where the least common denominator of system capabilities is really going to be an anchor point on how far innovation can go. So you've got to do some things from a technology standpoint that is much more flexible and it's going to be interesting to see kind of what that possibility is because the gap between uh, people that are using, you know, it's maybe not fair, but it's a reality, second tier EHRs with lower end capabilities, which makes it more affordable. So there's definitely a marketplace for that. And the, then the, the gap between them and the people using the Epic and the Cerner and the all scripts, I'll put them in there, pushing forward on the innovation side. Now, I did was at a conference the other uh, month in, in May at the beginning of June where I heard the CEO of Allscripts say that there's basically going to be two tiers between Allscripts and Cerner and, um, and Epic uh, in their EHR offerings. And so hopefully in my mind, what that's going to do is push these you know, first tier and second tier EHRs to have interoperability solutions that are going to work together. I mean, because then you're talking about uh, feeder hospitals. And really, when you think about it, you know, from that standpoint, it's, it's, you've got a hub and spoke hospital 
model, which is, you know, <clears throat> coming up and that's what's going to happen or it's, it's already happening. But you've also got to put ambulatory in there. So let's get back to IBM and kind of what I was talking about. So, you know, again, it's not that AI is failing healthcare. It's not that AI is not a solution. It's just there's not this infrastructure that's there. People want to put in, you know, basically bullet trains like they have in Japan going 200 miles an hour on uh, railroad tracks that aren't that aren't made for that. So it's very similar to to what we have here in healthcare. And, and I'll draw one other comparison as far as this whole AI and, and IBM standpoint. And then we'll kind of uh, wrap this up. If you think about, you know, this, think about the, the automotive industry and you've got companies like uh, Ford and GM that are buying other companies that are either doing, working extensively in electric cars or in um, self-driving and then you look at companies like uh, Uber or uh, Google or Tesla that are in self-driving, but that's all they're doing. And so it's very analogous to what you see going on with healthcare and AI. So you have these traditional companies that are a little bit older, uh, have a lot more baggage to come on, trying to uh, go and advance and be at the top to make the rest of their brand look better. But you, nobody is really thinking that Ford is going to come out and be the leader in self-driving cars. But they just have to participate in that market in order to stay relevant and really to keep themselves from being, um, it keeps them in the game longer. Uh, you know, I don't know necessarily if it means that Ford is going to, you know, or these traditional automotive companies are going to be put out of business. But... You know, they're going to struggle to enter as, to stay in the market as the market changes. The same for IBM, the same for HP, the same for uh, Dell, the same for any uh, hardware manufacturer. Uh, I, I, if you follow me on LinkedIn, I said um, last week, hardware vendors are going to struggle to the point that you you. I don't know that what their what their path is, uh, and and software has always been there traditionally to help sell hardware. Uh, innovations in software have prompted and pushed people to upgrade their hardware and continue to buy more hardware. And now you've got a separation with the cloud, with software as a service. That hardware is not a consideration in people's buying. Uh, thoughts anymore. Nobody thinks about when you go out there and buy and let's say in healthcare, an EHR or any other type of solution, what are the hardware considerations? We, you know, I, I don't know and I've worked, you know, now this is my second job where there's, you know, a big cloud offering and hardware, hardware requirements used to be a huge thing. Man, when I was in uh, a hospital in the early 2000s, you know, not only did you have to think about server hardware requirements, but you had to think about the end user client hardware considerations and RAM and, and all that stuff. Man, that's just out of the window. Nobody thinks about that anymore. And and so when it's not a consideration, you're not going to spend money on it. You're not going to put that in your budget. So, you know, that's the thing that that's just kind of where we are. And, and when we... 
as a industry, or, or excuse me, when the entire technology, you know, ecosystem has de-emphasized hardware, that is a significant number of jobs. That's a significant number of organizations that are going to exist, but they're going to exist in a tiny, tiny role within the organization. And that's what you're seeing. And, and really, you know, that's just kind of the way it is. And I think you're going to see adjustments to the Dow. You're going to see adjustments to the stock market. You're going to see adjustments to people's wealth uh, that have to come to uh, some sort of agreement with that. And it's just, you know, it's just the reality of the situation. And it's not, um, you know, I would honestly say this is not necessarily IBM's fault. I don't necessarily know that anybody could pivot. Uh, with it in this way, and it, and in the reality is, it, it is just reality. <laughs> it's just the way the way that it, it goes, and so, you know, it, it's an it's an it's the next evolution. You know, if, if you think about a hundred years ago, I've, you've seen the infographics out there of the the top ten companies uh, in nineteen eleven or so. You know, you had your U.S. Steels and your uh, your uh, different coal companies and, and, and different chemical companies out there. And, and you, you know, same thing that's going with computer hardware. So this is really kind of be an historical moment as you see it unwind here, probably over the next decade or so. Uh, and, and so it's going to be something that uh, you'll see more and more articles written about because it's, it's the, the ending of a, of a cycle, a natural cycle, but it's also the end of a generational thing. So people older than myself, you know, who happen to be in the C-suite are going to struggle to uh, understand kind of where things are going and understand kind of what the next step is. So it's it's going to be uh, interesting to see kind of where the market goes from here, where technology goes from here, and kind of how everything, how everything uh, winds up. So that'll be interesting to see. So anyway, that's it. Uh, rambled a, a little bit there at the end. I appreciate your time, uh, but uh, my time is up, and I thank you for yours. <laughs>